And we are wrapping up the third week of a short series. We normally do series a little longer than three weeks. And, um, but then we're in the third and final week. Next week we get going on our series called Simple Christmas. And I'm excited about uh, jumping into that next week. But we're wrapping this one up. If you've got your version app open or you've got your notes in front of you, I want you to go ahead and, and walk through those with me. That we have a big God with a big plan to have a big family. And if we do not see the big picture, then we will miss the big part that we should play. We looked at the first part of this. We actually started in Genesis and we went all the way through to the end to, to Revelation. And we saw that God's plan from day one was to have a big family. And that we go all the way to Revelation 7 and we see the glimpse of heaven at the end of days. And that there is a sea of humanity that no man can number. I would say that's a big family. That what God had, the plan that God had kicked off in the garden, that he carried through all the way. But guess what? There's this chunk in the middle where that, there, things went haywire and humanity decided to go their own way. And so we got the reward of going our way, which was death and separation. Sin entered the world and it jacked everything up and God immediately began to have a plan to fix that, and that plan has a name, and his name is Jesus. And we looked last week at how completely, how completely that plan was executed. The fullness of the payment for penalty that, uh, of sin that Jesus was. That grace is so big, it's nerve-wracking. That Paul had to go through, and he had to look at some different pieces and say, man, if grace is this big, does this mean we can just sin and kind of cut everything loose? No, you're missing the whole point. But it's that big that if we don't, we can misunderstand it in a hurry. But his love for us is so huge. We've been looking at the big picture. We have to see from the 30,000 foot view. And this week we've got to see the next place is that there's, Part of God wanted a big family. You embrace Jesus, and, and all of a sudden you're you're in the family. But now we're here, we're we're here, we're His children. Now what do we do? There's a big picture to that as well. <clears throat> My grandmother, who may end up getting to watch this online, um, loves to share little Facebook jokes. And so, Mima, this is one of your this is one of your jokes. You told a joke about that there was an old guy that went to a nursing home. And uh, checks himself in the nursing home. He's in a different phase of life. And he's there hanging around. He's been there three or four days. And he notices this lady that lives there as well has been staring at him all the time. And she just stares at him and stares at him. So finally, he said, i got to do something about this. And he goes over and comes up to her and he says, you know, I've noticed that, that you've been looking at me a lot. Is, is there anything I can do for you or anything? She says, well, honestly... You just look just like my third husband. And she said, really, how many husbands have you had? She had two. <laughs> thank you, thank you for the, for the pity laugh. I appreciate that. Thank you. And the pity clap, too. I'm racking it up here. But the point of this is sometimes we can. We can have our eyes on some things that aren't ours. We can decide that we want to pursue and, and our lives be built on pursuit of things that, that don't belong to us. And what we're going to look at today is that in Christ, there is so much 
that does belong to us. A mind-blowing amount. The completeness of what God did in Christ is so huge. It is so huge. In fact, let's look at 1 Corinthians 2.12. It says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. It is so big that we can't on our own, with our own human minds, understand it. God has to have the Holy Spirit, His mind, Working in conjunction with our mind for us to understand it. It is too big. The Spirit Himself has to reveal it to us. We can't just deduce it on our own. We can't just go, oh, this is logical. This should be included in salvation. No, it is so big that only the Holy Spirit can reveal it to us. That all of this that God has freely given us. You know, salvation is, is so amazing that we, in the natural, we could go, God, if you gave us that and that alone, that would be pretty awesome. And it's true. Just forgiveness. Just, this, just for him to go, all right, you're forgiven. But it didn't stop there. It is so much bigger than that. That we have been brought in and we've not been made just, just subjects of the kingdom that are now forgiven. We've been made his children. We can call on our daddy he is always there and he is always present and he was always there for us and we can call on him and it doesn't have to be we don't have to do it this perfect way we just call on him and he comes and he takes care of us that when god is there and he's near and he will answer with colin at two years old and the new baby hoping gonna be any time now if she stands up i'm just gonna follow her y'all and y'all can have church on your own <laughs> And so, um, it'll be somebody will preach, I guarantee it. And, um, and so, uh, uh, but we're just prepared. We got everything in order. And we, one of the last pieces was to try to get Colin, who has slept in our room since, because we're the only ones on the ground floor, have, uh, to be able, she's been in our room since day one. So like, okay, in a baby bed. And so, um, we were like, she needs to get the big girl bed. So we got the big girl bed, got it upstairs, got all that stuff. But she's not used to it. So we've been spending some, about the last six weeks, getting her used to that. Well, we have, she shares a room with Lulu. And Lulu broke her arm. So she can't manhandle Colin, a two-year-old. And uh, can't pick her up. So we've got the little baby monitor in there. And it's sitting right on my where I can hear what's going on. And I told Lulu, I said, if you need me, I'm right here. This baby monitor only goes one direction. I don't talk back to you through it. But if you need me, say, Daddy, I need you. Daddy, I need you. And I will come up and I will do that. Well, it totally cracked me up. As a couple of nights ago, I'm telling you, you ever heard the people say, clean up on aisle nine? <laughs> How just dispassionate they are? Like, clean up on aisle nine, clean up on aisle nine. I hear this baby monitor squawk to life. And I hear, Daddy, I need you. Daddy, I need you. And that was it. Just as plain as could be. So I stumble upstairs, find that, I find out the next morning that Carson had heard it, and he just busted up laughing. He was, up, he was laughing so hard, he thought it was hilarious. But the thing is, is it didn't have to be this impassioned plea. 
It didn't have to be this thing where I sensed the distress in her voice. All she had to do was call on me. That was it. That was all she had to do. John 10 says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out in fine pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life. That is awesome. When we say yes to Jesus, we step over from death into life. Hell is no longer part of our future. Heaven is our home. And how awesome it would be if there was a period right there. It would be awesome if there was a period. But there's not a period. It goes on. Everything within us says we deserve at best a period right there. But the Holy Spirit says no. It says and that they may have it more abundantly. That he wants more life for you than you can wrap your mind around. He wants more life. He wants things to be better than you can wrap your mind around. It is so big. It is absolutely so big. We come and things are so messed up. Things are so out of order. Things are so in chaos. But when he comes and we say yes to him, it honestly, it turns everything around. And we have to get that through our heads or we will stumble through life missing it. As if completely blinded. There's a video I showed a few years ago and I, I just think it just perfectly understands how things when we, when we say yes to Jesus, it completely turns around and reorders and puts right everything. Roll blindness. I am lost in blindness, and I refuse to believe that I can see. One has to accept a life of darkness. Years from now, I can only tell my children not to believe that Simple grace triumphs over utter darkness. I was born in sin, and I was conceived in sin. It doesn't matter to God that I live every day of my life in hopelessness. No longer can it be said that there is a God who hears the cries of his people. My whole life testifies to one truth. Blindness has robbed me of every good thing, and it is no longer true that God saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now I don't know much, but I know one thing for sure. I was born blind, with no hope and no future. But then I met Jesus, and he turned everything in my life upside down. I was born blind, with no hope and no future. Now I don't know much, but I know one thing for sure. God saves those who are crushed in spirit. And it is no longer true that blindness has robbed me of every good thing. My whole life testifies to one truth. There is a God who hears the cries of his people. No longer can it be said that I live every day of my life in hopelessness. It doesn't matter to God that I was born in sin and I was conceived in sin. Simple grace triumphs over utter darkness. Years from now, I can only tell my children not to believe that one has to accept a life of darkness. I can see, and I refuse to believe that I am lost in blindness.
He really did turn everything around. He really did. Everything that is that could, that we bring to him that's jacked up, he wants to bring life and and make it wonderful and great. It's beyond a reset button like a do-over. All of a sudden, it is this thing where God begins to work in our lives and begin to make things bigger and more wonderful than we ever could really wrap our minds around. We have to understand that. We have to understand. So many times we come to God and we're like, God, it would just be enough if you would get me out of the ditch I'm in. He wants you out of the ditch. But then he wants you set on the high place. He wants you going in the direction you were wired and designed to go. He wants you understanding that you were not defined by ever having been in the ditch ever. That that's not part of your identity. That your identity is in him and in him alone. That our lives are so much bigger. So much bigger than we could ever dream. See our life, our new life in Christ is so big and it is so complete. That takes the Holy Spirit working in us to fully see it. It absolutely does. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me is the one who surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we all have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That we have received, one translation says, grace upon grace. It's like it just keeps getting piled on. That doesn't give us the freedom to go and be idiots and say, oh, it's covered by Jesus' grace. No, it gives us the freedom to live courageous, loving, God-pursuing lives without the fear of blowing it and tripping it up on the way. So many people get paralyzed by a fear of failure that they never take a step forward ever. That's gone. You don't have to be afraid of fumbling and messing up. Just go for it. God's already taking care of all that other stuff. Let's pursue Him the way we were designed to be, the way we were designed to pursue Him, the way we were designed to live. Colossians 2, verses 2 through 4 says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. That's why we talk about knowing him better and trusting him more all the time. Because we come and we recognize Jesus as Savior and it, res- and it resonates within our hearts. The Holy Spirit is testifying, yes, that's him. And we say yes and we step over from death to life. But then guess what? There's so much more than that. He's not just our Savior. He's not just that. He becomes, He equips us, He restores us, He changes our lives forever. And we need to have complete understanding given to us by the Spirit of God. Verse 3 says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this 
so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. How sad would it be to have, have everything you have in Christ and but have this, the enemy create a lie that says that we should stop short of what God has provided. And says that and try to tell you that it's not there. That somehow there, if it's there, that you're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. How dare you ask for your life to have that kind of impact? Look at you. Look at what you've done. What a lie from the pit of hell. <clears throat> Paul says all that he does earlier, he says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. You know what the problem with fine-sounding arguments are? They sound fine. That's the problem with them. From a rational perspective, yeah, that's, that's probably the way it is. That sounds like it. Yeah, if I was God, I would treat people that way. Sounds right by me. You ought to have to do this and jump through this hoop and act this way to be able to go to the next step. You mean it, it, it's when I say yes to Christ, I get it all at once? It's all, it's all included. It is all there. It's all there. I've shared with you all before about our trip to Disney World. And that the smartest move I ever made for my family on that trip was to buy the dining plan. Because you've been to, everybody's been to a theme park or the carnival or something. The food is like way overpriced. It's ridiculous. And um, so you go in and you do that. Well, they offered this option that you pay one price and you get these meal credits and you get this thing. And you pretty much just order whatever you want to on the menu and it's included. Well, there's seven of us going. So I'm like, okay. I looked at the math. I was like, okay, we're probably going to do all right. I'll just get this and it's done. I don't have to carry cash. I don't have to do any of that mess. So man, sure enough, we get that first meal. We get settled in. We're at our place. They explain to us how it works. So right off the bat, man, my kids are like, normally we get water. Clark family orders water. It's free in most places. And uh, it's healthy. Sorry, it's not free. It's healthy. That's, that's the reason. It's healthy. And, um, and uh, anyway, so they offered these unlimited refill milkshakes for like six or eight bucks. Well, normally I'd get, let them spend on a meal or something. And so and there was like, everybody's like, I want that. So I was like, is that included? Yep. Woo! Everybody has milkshakes. These big old ginormous milkshakes. So then we order and, and, and they just bring out all this ridiculous amount of food. A dessert's included with every meal. So everybody gets their ginormous, ridiculously huge Disney-sized dessert. And it's all sitting in front of them. Man, if, I, if Brandon Clark was paying the bill, I'd say, you are eating every bite of that. We need to-go boxes. This is breakfast tomorrow. I'm telling you, that's just what Brandon Clark would do. I just know me. But man, they eat two bites of their huge brownie sundae that a small animal could bathe in. And I, I didn't care. No big deal. Man, they showed me. I loved it. They showed me the bill for our first meal. It cost me $220. I'm telling you, I'd have been so mad if that would have been my real bill. I would have not been happy, but man, it was covered. So we enjoyed it. And what it what the beautiful thing I want to tell you was not the food that was included. The beautiful thing that was was the peace and the lack of worry 
and the lack of stress that was included. The fact that I didn't have to, to watch every little thing. That I didn't have to do all of that and just relax. I know that for a fact. Because on the last day, we did not have the meal plan. <laughs> you can only get the meal plan for as many nights as you were there. We were in the park one extra day. Kids walk up to the little place where you get your hamburgers. Keenan, 12 years old, orders him his double meat bacon cheeseburger in Disney World. $13 burger. Everybody goes through and it's time. And I'm used to just uh, having it all included. It's time for me to pay. And I just paid 75 bucks for lunch. For burgers and fries and Cokes. And I was, oh. And all of a sudden it just came back on me. And everybody was like, you're next meal, you're sharing and you're sharing. And this is what we're doing. Keenan, you eat every bite of that burger. It just, came, it just came back. All of the pressure. All the pressure. The grace that we have in Christ is not so that we can just go willy-nilly, order off the menu, be crazy, be wasteful, any of that kind of stuff. It is so that we don't live under the pressure of performance and that we can simply enjoy God's presence. We don't come into God's presence going, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Do I have everything squared away? Okay, yeah, yeah, I made my little prayer. I can now talk to you, God. All right, God, well, what, what do you want? No, it's already covered. It's already covered. So he taps me on the shoulder and wants to spend a little time with me. We just spend the time together. I'm not freaked out. I'm not worried about it. Will he coach me a little bit? Yeah. Will he say, hey, you need to chill on that? That's not life-giving. Yes, but he's not doing it out of this place of punishment. He's doing it because everything is already covered. It changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. But these fine-sounding arguments will jack us up. Somebody else will come in, and when, a, when the word is, told us, is provided for, these fine-sounding arguments will come in and rob us. A couple years ago, we had uh, we do our own kids' camp, and it works. Our kids' camp just operates on the backs of our youth interns. I'm, I'm telling you, our youth interns kick it. They're so awesome. We work them hard. And But part of their reward is they get these midnight intern swim parties and these different things. And this one time, we had access to this huge water, I mean, uh, slip and slide. Huge slip and slide. It was fantastic. And um, so we had this midnight slip and slide party that the interns were working at. Where there were two interns that were, that was their first year. They'd always been campers, and this was their first year. And Joshua Zesh was one of those. And so he had been looking forward to the intern party. And one of the other interns, who will remain nameless, convinced him that he was not really an intern and he could not go to that party. Just, he just was misinformed. I, there was nothing malicious about it and convinced him. So it's all happening. It's all going crazy, having a great time. And Joshua Zesh is laying in his bunk obediently. Missing out on the whole thing. Man, I found out about it the next day, and I was like, man, we've got to have to, we got to figure out something to do for this guy. Because there was something that was provided for him the whole time, and somebody's fine sounding argument talked him out of it. Folks, there's, we read our Bibles, and every promise 
It belongs to you. I don't care who's told you it doesn't. It belongs to you. It was made to you. Don't you dare let the enemy or somebody else talk you out of it. It belongs to you. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought into fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. See, God cares about our entire lives. So our entire lives should be about choosing to trust him in all things. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. You just can't do it. Either you'll love the one or... Either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't either sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You are of such value to God that we can rest fully in him. Rest completely in him. Romans 8 says, what should we say since God is on our side? Who can be against us? Did God not? God did not spare his own son. He gave him up for us all. Then won't he also freely give us everything else if you want to understand the measure of god's commitment to you then look at jesus jesus is the measure of god's commitment to you if he would give us jesus why would he withhold anything else in fact romans 5 8 It's not in your notes, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his commitment to us, not while we were doing everything just right, but while we were blowing it royally. That's why when we're in Christ, we're in Christ. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says, His divine power has given us everything we need. For a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. You can participate in his nature. We're so used to participating in our own jacked up nature. We default to that. But the Holy Spirit is reminding us that we can participate in God's nature. We can actually live in this that we've been born into. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by its evil desires. See, God is faithful to complete the work that he began in you. Be patient with the process. See, the truth is is that God is more patient with you than you are. You think it's the other way around, but it's not. God is more patient with you than you are. Like, well, I should be this far along by now, and I just keep doing this dumb thing, and I keep having this response that I have to take all of my energy to squelch and not allow it to show up on the surface. I'm done with me. God must be too. No, you've got to be patient with the process. Philippians 1 says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. 
Not with frustration or, oh my goodness. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this. What gives Paul joy as he prays for these Philippian believers he's writing to? His confidence. That's what gives him the joy in his time of prayer, as he is confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I know that we know ourselves, typically, if we'll be honest, better than anybody else. We know our struggles. We know what's going on. We know what we're dealing with. And sometimes being us, we get wrapped up in the natural. It's not very joyful. Sometimes it's not. We bat our heads against the wall. We know I frustrate me more than I frustrate anybody else. So where do we find the joy of being stuck in our own skin again? By knowing that God is faithful to complete the work. I'm not stuck here. I'm not stuck here. We watched It's a Wonderful Life last night. One of my favorite movies of all times. In the place of frustration for George Bailey was that he was stuck in Bedford Falls. He just felt he was stuck. We give up on the joy of our salvation because we get frustrated of being stuck with us. But when we understand that God is faithful, if we'll stay with him and stay with the process, he's faithful to complete it, then that joy can return again. See, James 1, 4 says, But let patience have its perfect work, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Whose patience is needing? Is he calling on here? Is it God's patience? He's not even calling on us to be patient with each other. You know who he's calling us to be patient with? Ourselves. To be patient with us. To know that if we will stay connected with the Holy Spirit, then he will carry the process through he will see when we see the big picture we can understand that god what god is doing in our own lives and be able to live the life that is truly life how many times do we not share with somebody because you're like well they they know i've done this in my life and they know that and i I don't want to be a hypocrite and i'm just going to keep my mouth shut and you're not used by god the way you should be how many times do we pull back because like, God, you, you, there's bound to be somebody better for the job than me. There's bound to be somebody more qualified for the job than me. And we pull back and we don't live the lives that God has called us to live. God called us to so much bigger. He has. We've got a big God. There's a big plan for you. Not for a little tiny insignificant life for a life of impact and influence and consequence in the people that he brings across your path. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. And we get going in that by saying yes to him. That's how we embrace that. Maybe you feel like the first part of the video that I showed earlier. Maybe you feel like the guy stuck in blindness. Everything's jacked up and out of order. The beautiful thing is things turned around when we said yes to Jesus. And then I met Jesus. This is your opportunity to do that. 
This isn't your opportunity to get religious. This isn't your opportunity to join the church. This isn't your opportunity to say, I'm going to try harder. This is your opportunity to understand that Jesus did it completely for you. And you can say, I believe that. And I want, I want it for me. If that's you this morning, I want to create a quiet moment.